Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. We may be in the multiverse, but we're also here for a new podcast episode. This is the Awards Radar podcast, and I bet you can't guess what we're going to be talking about. Someone was supposed to say something that's not Loki. Benji? There you go. All right. Well, I guess we'll start with Steve. Steve's here. Hi, I'm Steve. Steve, what would the various Steves be like if there were multiple Steves, Loki style? One would be sleeping. The other would be, uh, you mean personality? Yeah. However you want to answer that question. I I don't know. I've I've never had enough free time to explore who I would be other than uh, a guy who works too much. So, so you just be multiplicitying it and having people do your work. For yeah, you. and handing it off like, "Hey, can you help me out?" And I would hand it to myself. I'm like, "Damn it, go do something with your life." All right, Miles, how would uh, how would your uh, various Miles work in your multiverse? Hi, I'm Miles. Um, I've always thought that my multiple versions would be like the ones that went along with the original career paths I wanted to go when I was like five. So I imagine there's somewhere out there, there's like basketball player Miles and paleontologist Miles after he saw Jurassic Park, stuff like that. All right. Fair enough. Ryan, you're here. Same question. There's probably one timeline where one of my alternative selves is an idiot and likes James Cameron movies and The Shape of Water and 1917. Basically all the movies I don't really care for. There's probably also like various versions of myself that did decide to grow up at a certain point. Um, And then there's like, you know, probably like panda bear version of me and all that other stuff. I don't know. Yeah, we we pruned most of those versions. Yeah, (laughs) I'm just the one that's left and that's all that really matters. It's you and the panda, actually. Oh, love that guy. Yeah. We swap Uh, holiday cards every year. It's really good. Yeah, and watch out because... uh, I think he might be available next week. Yeah, I heard he's really hungry. Yeah. Like you, Should right, you. Joe? You're really hungry. Yeah. yeah. Well, more on that later. We'll talk about um, food. Yeah. I, I, I'm debating between the fuck y'all, I'm one of a kind answer and uh, Miles's version, which is interesting because then there's police officer me and lawyer me and president me. I, I kind of like that Porn one. Porn star you. you know. I mean, what's that's still doable. All you need is a camera, man. Good God. Well. We've, been, we've been joking about OnlyFans for months now. <laughs> uh, but yes we are we are going to talk the loki finale in a little bit but first we're going to do a uh, film hawk face-off speaking that of, is marvel speaking of only marvel fans, rated. here comes the oh. hawk face no i'm just kidding you, you want to you want to punch out of that joke yeah, just abandon chip yeah i'll punch out i thought so as i would say we're going to be doing a film hawk face-off to start it's a marvel related one so we're not completely off base Rachel Wise, Filmaholic Face-Off. Oh. And we'll even, we'll even start with her Marvel. The Mummy or Black Widow? Miles, Ryan, Steve. Um, I liked Black Widow more than I thought I was going to. I'm sure we'll touch on it at some point later in the episode. Uh, but I have to go with The Mummy. It's an all-time classic. The Mummy's fantastic. And we'll talk about that terrible new movie soon. <laughs> I will uh, agree that The Mummy is fantastic. Uh, it's what a great summer adventure film could be. And Black Widow is not. So, The Mummy. Thank you. I have uh, little to no memory of The Mummy, so it's going to be Black Widow Black oh Widow for me. God. Oh, my God. 
I, I know there's three of them. Go on go go on HBO Max and watch the Mummy. And Just watch the first though. Yeah, the do first, not watch no, the, the Scorpion. Well, the first the first two. I think yeah, Returns is real fun really too. Good. Yeah, a- avoid the Scorpion. Three, th- avoid the third. Yeah, one. The, the third the, one is garbage. Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Uh, Dragon Emperor. Right? Tomb yeah. of the Tomb Dragon of, Emperor. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Yeah, that, the one where Jet Li can't decide whether he has the one without Rachel Vice. How about that one? Yeah, but it has Maria Bello. Oh, that's a terrible replacement. It, it, she does not play the same character no. at all. It doesn't track. No, she play. Well, she is the same character, but she's well, she is, but she she's yeah. not playing the same exactly. character. Yeah. Is what I mean. Yeah. Now I got what you're saying. I just clarifying it for the listeners. Fair enough. Uh, the favorite or the lobster? Ooh, that's a good one. I love both of these films. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she gives the better performance in the favorite, but uh, my personal favorite between the two is the lobster. So I'm going to go that one. Yeah, Miles is right. The better film is The Lobster, but the better performance is The Favorite. I think I would rather watch The Favorite, though, because I think that she is so good in that film. My favorite performance of the three leading ladies. In that. I'd go, if based on her performance, I would go with The Favorite as well, although both are great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, both are great. I'm going to go The Favorite because they don't kill a dog in it. That's valid. Fair. That's fair. Yeah. At least not on screen. Uh, yeah. They might, I mean, they might eat one, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah, totally Oz the Great and Powerful or The Bourne Legacy? Oh. <laughs> yeah, you, knew, you know the theme by the, now. Come on. Sophie's choice. Yeah, I know. This is, this is one of those, can I say neither options. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go with The Bourne Legacy because it's slightly less embarrassing for her. Slightly. Fair. Yeah, I'm going to go with The Bourne Legacy because there's actually some good action bits in that. Uh, it just thinks it gets all wrapped up in the Kims a little too much. But yeah, Oz and the Great and Powerful. Oh my God, just one of those Raimi films I'll never go back to ever again. The fact that that's him is sort of shameful too. I'm going to follow suit. Bourne, uh, what is it? Legacy? Whatever Legacy. it is. <laughs> that's how bad yeah. it is. The Bourne like, uh, Renercy. The Born Renner's. Yeah, I, I, any, any Oz film besides the original Oz film is not worth watching, in my opinion. So, yeah, uh, sure. Let's make it a queen sleep. A queen, a clean sleep. A queen sleep. A queen's sleep. Okay, there you go. Those beds are really comfy. Um, and the final one: disobedience or the constant gardener. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have not seen Disobedience, so I guess I'll go with Constant Gardener by default. I don't know if you it's an Oscar-winning role, but she is very good in it. You son of a bitch. Which amazing. one is that again? I don't even... It's her and Rachel McAdams. It's good. Oh. It's very, okay. very good. Yeah. I'll get around to it. It was an underappreciated yeah. film that year. I was surprised it didn't pop up anywhere, really. Toward the, uh... and, has a, and has quite the sex scene between the two of them. Oh, yeah. I think I get Wait. that one and the one she did with Tom Hiddleston confused. Oh, that's um, the Deep Blue Sea. Oh, they both start yeah, with that, D, so there you go. Yeah, the, the, only one of them has the D. Uh, the Deep Blue Sea is uh, boring. Disobedience is riveting. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Disobedience, which is criminally underrated film, and she's criminally underrated in that film. I like The Constant Gardener, but she's barely in the film and i think she though deserved the oscar but disobedience her and mcadams have 
wonderful chemistry. And Alexander Novola, if I'm not mistaken, is uh, with them, and he's fantastic. So, yeah, great. Movie. Yeah, the three the three of them are terrific. Oh yeah, so good. Mm-hmm. I think you'd call it a smoldering performance. Uh, and mm-hmm. for that reason, I will go with disobedience. It was a very uh, well acted, but just a, just a great surprise of, of a film. It doesn't, it, you know, it wasn't marketed in a way that you would think it mm-hmm. would be uh, the, the, the level of quality. Constant Gardner is great, but it's you know, it's a it's a classic thriller yeah, drama be- spy type thing. Yeah, disobedience for me by far. One of her best performances. What's, now, her, what's her best? Uh, Do you have another one that stands? Might out? be the favorite. Yeah, I might go with the favorite as well, actually. Her best performance. I mean, I, I, I mean, I'm, I have the, I have the fountain in her top three, but I know most people don't. Yeah, I definitely don't. <laughs> I think it's the favorite, disobedience, the fountain, the lobster as like a top four. Constant Gardner, I guess five. Um. Yeah, I would. I don't. I don't disagree with any of that. I think she is really good in the fountain. Um, I think her performances in the Mummy are a lot of fun. She's, and I mean, she's, she's pretty good in in denial and uh, the light between oceans. But oh, what's that? Oh God, there's a even about there. a boy. And fantastic, oh, she's very good in about a boy. Fantastic yeah. in Fred Claus. Mm. <laughs> um, no, there's there's two movies that she was in. Um, you said about denial, a boy, though. Right? Yeah, I, I agree with right. that. Yeah, denial. Yeah, she's good in youth. I remember her in youth. Um, yes, she's good. really underrated in The Shape of Things, one of the uh, Neil Labute movies that isn't. Um, in the company of men, so nobody saw it. Mm-hmm. She's getting a lot of things. She's really great in this film that's very underrated. It's a very heartbreaking film called The Whistleblower. And she's also got a great turn in both The Brothers Bloom and Definitely Maybe. She's oh, a, she, yep. actually, Brothers Bloom might be it for me. I love her in that film. Mm-hmm. So, Fair. She's in denial as well. Also, one of my first films I ever saw her in was, was uh, Runaway Jury. With her and Dustin well, Hoffman is, and Gene Hackman oh. and John Cusack, and she's really she's good in yeah. that too. Yeah, no, she's she's always very she's good. Just one of the uh, be- one of the best actresses we have working today. Yeah, all right. You look at that filmography; now, it's impressive. We have a we have a mount to do. Mm-hmm. Oh, a Mount Rushmore. Mm-hmm. No, a Mount Rush score. Oh God! Oh, original scores. Orig- oh, 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 all right. Oh. No, Miles got really, really interesting. So, <laughs> a John Williams. Oh God, no! Wait, we're allowed. We're. Wait, are we doing composers? Or are we doing no? We're just movies? just just scores. We're only so. allowed one John Williams. I'll give you two if you can differentiate enough. Okay. I, oh, okay, I'm just oh gonna, I thought I'm we were doing John. There. Oh, I, I think. Star Wars has to be on there. I think it's one I of think the so most too. iconic scores in all of film. And if you want a second one, it has to be different enough. Okay. Right. Star like, I, I love Raiders of the Lost Ark and the Indiana Jones theme, but I also feel like it's quite similar. Hold on. No. I, mean, Jurassic Park. I, feel like, I feel like Superman Ooh. and Jurassic Park and some of these, they're all great, but they do have a similar sound. Hmm. Are we, yeah, so, yeah. wait, we're not doing John Williams's. No. no I'm no, just we're saying doing we a have composer to score. Yeah. All time. Okay. I'm limiting it to two John Williams because there's only so many spots at most. I'd love to just do one, but I'm willing to do two. God damn it. 
Well, let, well, let's come back to that one if we can't think yeah. of a good for yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a left field one out there and say uh, Requiem for a Dream, Clint Mansell. Um, I know Joey. I know you are not gonna say that you even agree with this, but Howard Shore's score for the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Oh, I would agree with that one hundred percent. One of the greatest scores of all time. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And that theme is ripe. I mean, it, just, I mean, it was you know, comforting in that it probably put me to sleep several God times. Damn you! <laughs> just like these movies, they're so good. Um, but um, uh, I, I mean, Miles, I I do disagree with you. As much as I love Star Wars, I think that Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark score, you know, just it's it's. I think it's what I think about when I think of John Williams. Um, See, I, 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 I don't know. I mean, we they're both interchangeable because it yeah. comes down to personal preference. Yeah. I think it, when we think mounts, I kind of think iconic, and I think the Star Wars theme is just a hair more iconic. I think, yeah. I think so, the franchise is more iconic, but I think that no, the I, score I would pass is. it along to the score as well. But I think Steve was right, not far off too. I think that um, Jurassic Park is up there as well. Yeah. And I think if no, you're they're gonna, all up there, and we if you do a mount that's yeah, just like, John and then also you got to remember he did the Superman score, which is like, yeah, yeah but I think it's too ones. similar. So I, I think, I think Star Wars is there. I think Jaws is the other John Williams. Oh, that's right. God oh, yeah. yeah so and then for the other one, the other, the ET's other two, up there too. Shit. <laughs> so for it. the other two, I'm going to leave one open, but I do think the other one should probably be Psycho. Oh, yeah, I was going to say Psycho. Yeah. If not so Psycho, something from Bernard Herrmann. So that, yeah. So that fourth one should be something. I think it should be something from Inyo Morricone. I also am a big fan of Halloween, even if it's the simplicity Ooh. of it. It's, it's you know so what? Effective. That would that would actually be a very good four. I think. Well, I think like something from like the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Or well, yeah. I was just about to say, know. if we do Morricone, surely the Good, the Bad, and the, the Ugly is the most standout one, or at least the one I would be people would fine. Know. I would be fine with Halloween potentially. Um, let's pause for a second, and I will tell you when AFI did their 100 Years 100 scores in 2005, this was their top 10. Okay. Number 10 was High Noon. Hmm. Interesting. Num- number 9 was Chinatown. Don't number worry. 8 was The Magnificent Seven. Oh, oh, that's, that's, oh that's a good one. Number 7 was Laura. What? Number six was Jaws. Okay. Number five was The Godfather. Yeah. Oh, The Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. Number four was Psycho. Yeah. Number three was Lawrence of Arabia. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a good one. one. Number two was Gone with the Wind. Yeah. And number one was Star Wars. Wow. AFI even had Star Wars up there. Uh, I'll give you that. I I think... So what are we at right now? I, I if, if, if anything, I would answer. I would be okay with Star Wars being the lone Williams representation if Lord of the Rings is there to represent this sort of generation thing because I just think that that two, score is. Two, I think uh, two John Williams. I, it is. I think we ditch a, a John Williams and we fit in uh, the Godfather. Yeah, the Godfather. Star Wars, Psycho, the Godfather. And Lord of the Rings and Halloween, just to mix it up. Yeah, sure. Halloween. You know what? I'll give Halloween, even though I, I I do. 
I do think of Lord of the Rings more, but but yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, Ryan. I think Lord of the Rings should be up there. But if we're going to get some resistance, I'll I'll take yeah. Halloween. Yeah. I mean, listen, Halloween's I would, a, yeah. If we're going to get resistance from somebody, well, I mean, uh, you know, Halloween know Halloween isn't a bad choice. I think in terms of what will someone who doesn't know the movie still know the score of, I think the four we did are quite good. Yeah, I think there's a lot. Sure. I think there's mm-hmm. a quantity though of score with. Well, I love we'll the see. idea that two slashers made it onto our list. Hey. Got to be me. Um, oh, okay. What? Let's uh, call the yeah, police. Psycho and Halloween. Yeah. Um, let's talk Loki because that'll feed into a very, very brief bit of, bit of Black Widow since we've we've hit that already a little bit. Hmm. But so uh, spoilers, just because I think it's impossible not to talk in a broad scope because I think also we have to talk about where the Marvel universe is going since they've sort of revealed their cards in a bigger way last night. Um, Miles, do you want to sort of do the 90-second summary of what happened in the last episode? Yeah, totally. Um, So people's theory that uh, the man behind the TVA would be Kang the Conqueror, who is sort of already being positioned as the next Thanos-level threat, were half right. Uh, it was Jonathan Majors, who we know is going to be playing Kang in at least Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, Quantumania, as well as presumably some other future projects. Uh, he does appear, but the version that we get, like with Loki and Sylvie and all the other Lokis, is clearly a variant on the Kang that we're eventually going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, he, if uh, And if you read the comics, he bears much more in common with Mortis, which is a Kang variant that um, fulfills a very similar function and created the timekeepers much as he does in the show. Um, and so uh, he basically presents Loki and Sylvie with a choice that, you know, he's been keeping the timeline intact because all the much worse versions of him will potentially step in and, you know, ruin things for everybody and create multiversal war. So he gives Loki and Sylvie the option of taking over where he left off and, you know, running the sacred timeline and keeping them at bay or killing him and letting chaos spread. Loki wants to play it safe, but Sylvie can't get over her trauma, which is something we'll get back to because I'm not super thrilled with that characterization. But anyway, she makes the choice to kill him. And uh, now chaos reigns. Mobius and uh, the other members of the TVA don't Mm -hmm. recognize Loki. And we see in a Planet of the Apes style twist that a version of Kang is now in control of the TVA. And Loki will return in season two, which was confirmed in a not even really a post credits, but just a a little stinger after the main credits. Pretty good. Yeah. And also he. uh... Oh, and we didn't get Owen Wilson on a jet ski, but I'll let that slide because there is going to be a season two. Yeah. And we did get the sort of ominous uh, when she kills what they call him, the the one who remains. He what? he who remains. He who remains basically said, uh, see you soon to imply like Kang is coming. Exactly. Who I, which makes me think, because I, I know he's essentially the new Thanos. Like that's what they're hoping to build toward. If I guess if people respond, you know, I'm sure their blueprint is, is that. Which makes me think their version of Infinity War and Endgame is a multiverse type thing with maybe every character ever. Well, and multiple versions of the same character. So we might get like five different Captain Americas all fighting or whatever. And you can bring back all the... And this is this is the better... This is their way of, of like Spider-Man now. We now know how they're going to figure out how all these uh, Spider-Man multiverse people are going to be around the 
with the timeline all fucked up now, everything is up for grabs everywhere. Yep. Um, and also, we got conf- confirmation that Loki is going to appear in some capacity in uh, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. So we're going to get at least three films relatively, not quite back-to-back with Ant-Man, but three films in pretty quick succession that all deal with the fallout of this in some way. Yeah, so when was have... that confirmed? I didn't hear that. That was confirmed this morning. Oh, I did not know So that. in terms uh-huh. of... so I saw I wanna... that out before I got to see the episode. <laughs> so I want to I wanna bring up Black Widow just in terms of... Because we, we did talk about it enough, but... So one of the things that people have brought up as both a good and bad is that it doesn't advance the MCU storyline quite uh, really yep. in any significant way, um, yep. which is, which is valid on both ends. So if you look at where things stand now, so initially Black Widow was supposed to come out last year, followed by, if I'm getting the order right, uh, um, would have been Falcon, Falcon Winter, Winter Soldier. Soldier. Yeah. Uh, then probably Eternals, then WandaVision. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that we would have gotten the Julie Louis-Dreyfus in, intro in Black Widow. In Which would have just been, right. I think, dumb. I think the way she was introduced now is so much better. I think they're pretty interchangeable so appearances. I don't think it makes a difference. No, no I, don't I think, think you get more difference. time with her in the show. And I think it's the exact... I think there's plenty of people... Of plot who, impact, it barely makes a difference. I think there's also people, people who have like, seen the that, show. What the hell is Julia Weed dreyfus doing here? Yeah, I mean, either yeah, way, yeah. I think people do or don't know who she is because they may or may not have watched the show. Yeah, that's so, right. Either it's way. It's a Seinfeld Either verse. way, you would... Yeah, I mean, listen, well, maybe they Yeah, be, I mean, the Emmys only watched probably one episode because they nominated Don Well, we'll that's so. what we'll get that in a second. Yeah. Um, when we talk <laughs> Emmys. But... Um, so going forward now, now that it is sort of the jumping off point, next up is Shang-Chi, right? Yes. Well, technically, next up is What If, which might actually be a lot more relevant than we originally oh, thought. Because yeah, What If deal with multiverse stuff. Yeah, What If is the first if? dancing around of the multiverse. That's next? Like, now that the multiverse is here, here's a whole bunch of Those things. Games? Whether or not it ties in narratively to what comes next, I'm not sure yet. I would have thought no until now. I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be a one-on-one teach people what the, the so they can do more in the in the films and the upcoming series rather than explain it and do like an origin of the multiverse they're going uh, it's possible that at the right. end there might be something that that feeds into you know what comes next but it could also just be like okay the idea of the multiverse is what if you know Even- kept Peggy was Captain America and so on. Sure. Even if it's an isolated thing, I still think the timing of it is very deliberate because now that the multiverse is sort of set loose It'll give us a sense of even if none of this ties back to anything else, yeah. this gives people a proper crash course into yeah. what that mm-hmm. actually means and what it entails. And what I was, forward. yeah, and what I was, what I was meaning with Shang Chi is that's the next movie we're getting, yes. Yes. which chronologically may not take place at the same time as Loki, because I don't think they're they're really multiversed. Well, Loki technically way. takes place at all times. That's I'm just trying to think of like in terms of when that event happens like it obviously happens sure. post end game and all that stuff um whereas so shang chi could be somewhat more contained then comes eternals. um eternals which i could could Eter- could the eternals be uh Did we lose somebody be something involving the multiverse more so than we realized uh, I mean, the door's open. If nothing else, they might touch on it uh, in a post-credits. But I also, I think both Shang-Chi and Eternals, because they're introducing new characters, are going to be 
relatively self-contained just so that those characters yeah. but that said i mean my know, only th- my the only timing th- of why we're getting into the eternals now as opposed to before endgame might have something to do with that i mean that's mm-hmm. what i was thinking that maybe the the work around the why they didn't bother to help out ever is maybe right there, i think in, you know people from been, another multiverse yeah exactly people have been bringing that up constantly as though it's a knock against the film surely the film isn't going to pass without them giving an actual deliberate reason like it's not just they've been sitting on their asses there's probably going to be yeah. a very specific reason why they haven't intervened it, it would yeah. be it would be massively stupid not to we'll see yeah. maybe maybe it's just a weird blind spot that they couldn't work around and they went you know no answer is going to work so it's just not do one and let people be mad but yeah. i feel well, like well, they're, they're better a, than that even if it's a dr manhattan style we don't care about humans enough to help kind of thing which yeah from from what i've heard might be the case with some if not all of them um I, they'll at least address it i think yeah for sure um I, I'll talk quickly about a movie I saw this week that has a massively stupid thing they don't bother to address, but we'll do that at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then obviously Guardians of the Galaxy is yeah. sort of its own thing and still way off in the distance. But well, but then, they're going to show up in uh, Thor: Love and Thunder, which will exactly next year. which which will have some degree of multiverse in in it, and Spider Man is yeah. still this year, which, which is, is yeah, December very much multiverse, which then I guess leads into more Doctor Strange. Uh, yeah, well, Doctor uh, Strange is going to appear in Spider-Man, and then yeah, that'll probably connect directly to his movie. Yeah. Yeah. So interesting. So what do we what do we think of the the series? I honestly, I think it was my least favorite of the three series. Not that I didn't like it a lot, though. I do think it was probably the best of the three finales. Um, I thought it was the best series that they've done so far because I thought the finale provides hope and context for what they're going to do uh, forward, and I did sort of like that. Um, much more than Falcon and Winter Soldier, it felt like a complete story. That if they didn't want to continue, obviously they they can. And it'll be interesting to see how they do that. And sort of, it'll always seem to be interesting how they're going to wrap this all up. Um, you know, Joey, you just said said something that scares the ever living crap out of me, which is that they're going to try to have like seven or eight Captain Americas and do all this multiverse stuff with every single film going forward, and then all roles are broken and everything, and it's it just feels like a way to bring back other people and that stakes. I don't and think deaths. they're going to bring back people like that, but I think this is their way to, to try something try to do new. Something I'm sure. Like, yeah. It's I'm sure they're going to, I'm sure they're like, going to, I think my guess is Loki season two will reset this timeline eventually. Yeah. It just sounds close like the multiverse at some point. It just sounds like they're, you know, once again, the problem that Marvel always has with, the, which is a lot of franchises, even something like fast and furious is there's no stakes because they bring back all the characters or nobody dies or there's you know there's there's I, I don't there's think no they're gonna touch of, there's no sense of stakes touch some of the big ones and i think the big ones are not going to be touched for the most part well but i think that you i i think you gotta have something there and and opening up multiverses and doing all that and bringing everybody back or not bringing everybody back or bringing well, I mean, in all these different versions it just it, I mean, it, the multiverse it's, it's, doesn't mean Tony Stark. It means no, but it, but it does. Well, I mean, it, it means, means whoever became Iron Man in those scenarios. Like, I'm sure there's a there's a Jeff Bridges Iron Man. No, I understand you know, that. But what that I, I'm trying to say like is, to is, is there, yeah, and then bringing that's bringing back um, Jeff Daniels. 
There you go. Or, or Jeff Daniels or, or Jeff Bridges. Is that what you meant? Jeff Bridges. Though, so if we can yeah. get him, Jeff the Daniels. The one who was That'd actually in the movie. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say. But it's just like, okay. You're, I mean, the greatest just... was the actor Jeff Daniels, who was like, I guess. In Listen, this, that would be a twist. Yeah. In but, this multiverse, I became a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, I, I don't know. I did not like Black Widow. I think it's one of... Uh, the most unnecessary films uh, in a franchise I've ever seen. It's definitely I bottom tier. Um, I I think it's really lazily shot. There's no real clear direction for it. It's all just to set up Hawkeye. Um, it's and, and it's it it really just is a little too late. And I think that that's a big problem for it. And um, I also just thought it was very boring. And I almost was like falling asleep it felt like this was this was almost presidential debate levels of not answering the question but i think but i think about loki well i think well you guys went on and on and on about all of that stuff and i just trying to bring it into context is that i think this series opens up the door for all this multiverse and that's interesting it's just i think i'm more interested now it's like okay everything is going to be multiverse and i don't think, I think everything well you thing. literally just laid out that well, we four just or five movies might be more of them yeah. yeah, and that scares me because I think in something like this, obviously it's worked and it's done well because it's contained. When you open it up to everybody else, I think that that it could get mumbled. It could be a lot of like the time problem stuff that that it was in the in game that I had a problem with, and that opened up the door for a show like this. Mm-hmm. And there never seems to just be closure. Or small, what? you know, and stuff like that. And that's, and that's, I rather them just kind of keep it here in this or maybe just Ant-Man or, or one thing, but everything seems to be going that direction and it, my, it my suspicion me. is the end game closure will remain all other things more open. And this is how they, you know, when they inevitably close the time loop again, which they have to, otherwise it's just all meaningless eventually. Mm-hmm. That's where you have like, oh, the X-Men are trapped in this one. But they're different X-Men, and we don't have to do an origin story. They're the X-Men. You know the X-Men. They can have their adventures now. You can – this is how you can you can backdoor some of the um, young Avengers if you want to have some of that. They can they can sort of use it as a as an eraser and a yeah. – sort of like a pencil and then have their new setup and go forward. So, I, I mean, I, I, I think I give them a little more credit than you do just for being able to navigate it. But we'll see. I mean, maybe it doesn't work. What I was just going to say in terms of – finale wise i i thought this was a upper tier loki episode whereas with wandavision i thought the finale was the worst episode of an otherwise like every episode was at least very good if not better and falcon the winter soldier i feel like all the episodes were very similar in terms of like solid good one or two were, were upper echelon and the finale was very much like the rest of the episodes and this was similar in terms of Falcon, the winter soldier it didn't really hit a high for me in the same way, except for like alligator Loki. He's still the best, mm-hmm. but the finale was different enough from everything that came before and set things up for like a season two. It was more of a traditional finale as opposed to a, well, I guess we got to wrap this very long movie that we're no longer invested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That kind of, didn't work for me because I wanted closure. And then you're like, oh, guess what? Season two. I'm like, and that's where. because well, I, I think when yeah. everyone ended, when it ended before you got that, I think the, the initial reaction at four o'clock in the morning for people or midnight or whenever people were watching it or this morning was, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. And then you realize, oh, we're just pausing. 
And I, and I think that that, I think you and I, um, Steve might be on the same link. So it's like, Oh, we're not ending here. Cause I, I think that these shows, obviously they're going to want, you know, Falcon and winter soldier is going to be made into, or captain America and winter soldier, to be honest with you, is going to be made into a film supposedly. And then maybe another season down the road. And I think that show gives itself to have more seasons. I think something like this, I thought it was going to be like WandaVision where it was a, a one-off. And I thought that this was going to be a finale, like in the story. And Loki goes back to his timeline and, and that sort of, you know, closes the loop. And I expect and, and then other characters have to deal with this threat of maybe the time Lords or the, you know, the multiverse in the other films, but knowing that he's still a part of it, that also is something that just like, it's like, good Lord, how long are you going to milk a character you killed like four films ago? Like, I mean, I think, I think they that's also problem some too. I think oddly, um, miles was on to something a couple weeks ago when he was like, they seem to be very early in the story to have one episode left, to have two episodes left. And well, turns out you were right. Now we know so, why. Yeah. Yeah. So there's more to, there's more to say about it. I just, I think it's interesting that they do sort of stand like poised to do a lot with the films that I think we didn't expect them to be doing yeah. because of the series. So that's, that's pretty interesting to me, but we'll, uh, we can, we can talk more about, I'm sure we're going to come back to Loki when we start to think more about like the movies themselves, but we, we have some other things to do. So we'll, we'll come back to Marvel. Uh, quickly. I want to talk about a couple of things I saw. Not really super important, but did any of you like Escape Room? The first like, one? I haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. It was a pleasant surprise, but it also... It, I was surprised that they were making a sequel. Oh, go figure. We disagree, because I hated the first one. Uh, um, well, I thought, it yeah. was, I thought it was good for what it was. I didn't think it was like a groundbreaking I mean, achievement. This one... So I saw the sequel last night. It's slightly better, mm-hmm. oddly. Um, I mean, listen, as far as like a movie that's a ripoff of like saw two with no gore goes like it was passable. Yeah. Um, the games part is pretty good. Everything else is massively stupid. Um, but, um, for those of you who haven't seen, I, I just, I was thinking about how Eternals has to figure out a satisfying way to explain what they got to explain and how escape room just didn't. So the, the end of the first movie was the surviving two people are going to go expose this company. So in the sequel, they go to New York to go expose the company and they wind up basically on a Q train in Manhattan with four other people who are also winners of the previous games and they wind up in a new game. There's no explanation given as to why those people are on that particular train car. It's like the company just lucked into somehow all six of them are there and they're like, oh, I guess this massively complicated game we've been building for them can actually start because go figure one in a billion chance. It was so massively stupid. So um, I just thought of that, but no, not worth seeing. On the flip side, um, I also the day before saw um, Space Jam, A New Legacy. Mm. And that, I think, just depends on how you feel about the the film. Like, I I didn't love it. I, I seem to have come down slightly more positively than most, even even though I, 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 I wrote it in the review. But I feel like you have to approach it sort of thinking like Roger Ebert thought. I mean, you could do that with every movie, but he once said, and I'm, I'm, I'm butchering the quote, but you have to engage with the movie on the level it wants you to engage with. Yeah. And it's Space Jam. Like, it's a new legacy. It's Space Jam made for, 
Like, I think I, the first one came out when I was probably nine. So this is a movie made for nine-year-olds who like the 2021 incarnation of the NBA. And in that sense, it's, it's fairly successful. It's barely a basketball movie. There's no space involved. They're not aliens. It's basically a video game they're in. But that's much more what I think a preteen, especially boy, and I'm not trying to be sexist, just this movie does seem to be aimed at like a preteen boy. Um, there's no, you know, like in the sense of there's no romance, there's no like stakes of that sort. Um, it's very much what I think a nine-year-old boy in, in, in this time period watches or wants to watch. And I, I, I will admit to being wrong about all the IP stuff. Remember, I was very annoyed about all that. It's the, it's mainly the part I liked about the movie. Hmm. The stuff when they're playing basketball and there's just like the droogs and stuff in the background is stupid. Like there's a, they look like cosplayers, but, um, there's a sequence where they go and they get the tune squad together and they're all in different Warner Brothers properties. And that's genius. Yeah. That's easily the best part of the movie. Everything else is mediocre. And also LeBron James somehow forgot to act because I love him in Trainwreck. Like he's legitimately funny and charming. Yeah. And he looks like he had two weeks to shoot this and everything is a first take. Oh, so he's just not as good as Michael Jordan. He's he's and like listen, Michael Jordan's a terrible actor. Also, he's great in but, this film, though. I don't care what uh, anyone says. Uh, okay, he's he's, not he's great good for the movie. assignment that movie is. He and... is he is doing a very difficult thing. He's not doing it especially well, but he is for ninety nine percent of that movie acting alone on a yeah. green screen, playing basketball, talking the thing. So like. He's kind of doing his own monologue, so I give him a lot more of a pass. Yeah, there's there's a lot more. There's some of that here, but there's plenty of of not. And also, um, annoyingly, he's animated for a, a good portion of the film. Yeah, well, so I like mean, you know, it's just poor voice work and whatever. It's passable entertainment. It's just a definitely just a poor man's Jordan. Definitely watch on HBO is. Max. Not a, not a theater movie. Yeah. However, Pig. Oh. Is a theater Big. movie, which oh. kudos to Neon. I don't even know if they do like an on-demand type thing, but I don't believe it's at least this weekend going to be like a on-demand rental. No, it's, it's, it's a, theaters. Go see it. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I had hinted about it a couple weeks ago, but this was easily my biggest surprise of the year. Like I thought it was going to be another throwaway like garbage Nicolas Cage movie. And I know some of them people like, but I have yet to, with the exception, I guess, like Joe. And that's like. 10 almost 10 years ago at this point yeah or at least five but like that like oh it could be his comeback like mandy and that sundance movie he was in this year there i i, I, I like mandy were, though mandy like is better mandy. but it, they're all still trash for the most part well i don't th- Just, i don't think mandy's trash. mandy's elevated trash but <laughs> most of the time he's in garbage which whatever um but this is legitimately terrific i would i would say it might be his third or fourth best performance I actually think it might be his best performance. Uh, Leaving uh-huh. Las Vegas is my like one of my all-time favorite performances. So I get that. Nothing beats I, that. I get that. Um, but but I, I could interchange this in adaptation. Yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's the best he's done definitely in a long time, and I th- I think it. Um, when uh, I wrote piece, uh, I wrote the review for another site, and I was talking about in my piece how I think that there's a very meta contextuality in this film um, that the pig symbolizes a lot of his career and him sort of fighting to keep it um, before, you know, Hollywood or, or audiences sort of like take it and throw it away in the garbage and, 
never have to deal with it again. And, and every now and then we get to see a really stripped down, raw, self-serious, um, but tender and beautiful performance from him. I do think Joe was a really good film for, um, with a great performance from him many years ago. And I think that he's capable of doing this much like, I think like we think of like Sandler when we saw, you know, uncut gems and punk struck love and stuff like that. The guy yeah, of doing these great things. And I think it's the opportunities that Hollywood presents. I think it's also the, you know, the pay in which he gets in, he gets paid to do a lot of, he gets paid a lot of money to do a lot of crap. Right. And um, and he attracts uh, tax problems too before, so that probably exactly influences so, um, decisions. But I think this movie is 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 very meta, and it's it's him really looking at it because he's a producer on the film, and I think that that melt with a, a you know because every time you think this movie is going to go down that traditional Nicolas Cage crazy Wicker Man vibe. Um, it doesn't. It subverts all expectations. Yeah, there's it's really there's well three done. there's three specific moments where I was like, oh, this is very much doing its own thing. Yeah, and and they're they're out of context enough that I don't feel like I'm spoiling anything for the most part. But like the fight that's going to happen or in about around the yeah. end of the first act. Yeah, you're like okay, right. there's he's, that he's fight. Just, there's we're the... going to realize we're going to figure out he's John Wick, and then you're yeah. like, no, this is not what you think. And then yeah. the second one for me is at the table with the chef. Yes, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, when you're yeah. like, he does he have superpowers? Like he kind of does. Yeah. Like every time he monologues, he like, I think he's. It's not. It's not a surreal movie per se, but he's just playing like the most perceptive perceptive character in history. Like he sees into your soul. Um, and then I think the the ending when they re- mm. resolve like what happened with the pig. Is very much like well, that's not what I was expecting. Yeah. Um, though I will say it ends on a brilliant final sequence, like yes. the choice of song and where he is and what he's doing. Like again, all of well, this means it it's ends make on a, less money. It ends on a great song that obviously you love the artist that it ends. On. Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, guys. It's a, it's okay. It's a Bruce Springsteen it's cover. A, yeah, it's, it's a, a Bruce cover Springsteen cover. Bruce I was like, song. I'm like. Wait a minute. What was the? I had to think about that for a second. I was like, "What's the song?" Oh, that's right. Yeah, but it's but it's, but it's more it's than even, just a song. It's more right. than just you know them playing a song underneath it. It really ties right into the, yes. Uh, no, I agree. I agree character. with you, Steve. Yeah, it's not like the stupid, um, you know, song in that they. It's not like using American Pie for no damn reason in Black yeah, Widow. Yeah. There's actually a, a, oh, a oh, I love a, that. Oh, of course. Oh, not. we have to get uh, back to Black Widow because I. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, no. But what no, I'm saying is, it's sorry. like the song here. It's used tenderly yeah. and beautifully and and um and I'm not a, usually a fan of covers and films and stuff but that one was very like okay you, maybe like maybe said, not american I, pie maybe more like when they use smells like teen spirit in the uh, opening credits of black widow it's like uh, let's not let's not let's not combine the two it's like it's like it's like <laughs> a, I, I don't think the two are comparable enough no let's let's let's, let's 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 both of them are covers and on, one uses them effectively and the other one it's doesn't. like so. it's like wilbur the pig and charlotte and charlotte the spider from charlotte's web all right, so just when you go back pig. into Pig, the what I loved about it was my expectations were constantly uh, – you, you think well, you know where it's going. And then, mm-hmm. like you said, it, it pulls back. But it doesn't do it in a showy – never is it showy. Everything mm-hmm. is kind of this like takes its time to reveal and you feel like you're really learning about the character all the way through. Not just like here comes an action sequence. Here comes some uh, – you know. There's nothing that, uh, that that goes as expected, and it's more like real life in that way. You're not sitting there. What you're anticipating 
doesn't really come to fruition. And, um, you know, I, I just think it worked. I think it's, it's uh, incredibly, I, I think it's going to be tough to get people to see this because you look at your, the name, that, Nicholas that is Cage, what I was saying. Every, every choice they made, what we're appreciating also took away money from its box office. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like who but do you I, recommend I this to? That. Who's not a big film fan. And, but I think that's great. You know what? Make, I'm glad he did this because you can take a pause, you know, 10 years ago in his career and unpause now, and if you just showed people his early work and this, you'd think Nicolas Cage, one of the greatest of our of our generation. And well, uh, I think he and is. I'm glad to see him. To I'm glad to see him back on that trajectory. I mean, he certainly has the ability to be. Like that's the mm-hmm. thing. We never doubted it, but when he wants to be this guy, he he can. Yeah, he's clearly talented uh, enough to do it. I wasn't but sure he if he also, could get back to it. I, I honestly thought maybe it was lost. Maybe just, well, I think it's. You know what it is? It's not even that – I think honestly he, he likes making those things we hate. I guess so. Like he enjoys it. Like it's not – I don't think they're you know, straight like, oh, I got to pay a bill. There was a time where that was the case. But I think he also really enjoys it or he's an amazing salesman because he, he sells them when he like talks about them mm-hmm. you know, passionately and he likes weird things. Like he's, he is that guy. So I, I I give him credit for being, you know, for following what he wants to follow. Like I, I same with Sandler. Like we can all quibble with like, God, I wish you'd make another shitty comedy. But who among us wouldn't take twenty million dollars to fly to Hawaii with his friends to make a movie? Yeah, that then goes on Netflix, so you never have to worry about the reviews. Like I get it, but that doesn't mean that you don't appreciate a pig or an uncut gem. And he always has a pretty wife slash girlfriend. You know, I mean, he's like 20 years younger than him. Yeah. yeah. He's just got this fantasy world that he gets to do as a career. It's pretty fantastic. Yeah. Listen, who, who can't begrudge people who do things that are, that are fantastic. Um, but the thing is with cage, because he has the ability to be so above and beyond. And he was, very early on, like essentially doing like Brando kind of crap. Like he was just that guy when you see him puttering about and like, so here's a movie set in space with a, with a tiger on a boat. You know, like none of that makes sense. Like, don't worry. It costs 75 grand. We'll figure it out. You know, he's like, I'm in, you know, no one else wants to see it, but it, I feel it does make this special in the same way that uncut gems is special. And like, maybe it'll be less special if he did it more often, but even I think even if cage was still cage, this would still be a big deal in the same way that, you know, whatever one of the great, you know, actors makes, you're still excited when they do a smaller thing. This book, I'm sorry, this film wraps like a book, you know, like a great book that you put in your shelf and there's not going to be, I'm I'm hoping there'll never be a sequel. I can't see that. No, it's a character study. It's a character study for no money. It's never, yeah, well, that's, I'm assuming, but you never know, you know. But I, I just like the idea of it. This being something that someday I'll pick up again, and just be looking forward to watching it, beginning to end, and knowing that's it. That's all you're getting out of this. I'm not going to give anything away. It feels complete in in what it delivers. It's the type of thing that we don't get as much, which is why people value A24 and True. Neon and the the places that are still kind of engaged in like when you were first really becoming a cinephile of sorts. So, you know, for me, it was my early to mid teens 
when you're like, oh, there's this like slightly challenging indie film. I'm in. Let's do it. And that like slowly would bring you out to other things. Like nobody just dives into, you know, oh, let's watch Irreversible. You know, you you don't stumble into like awful, horrible, challenging cinema. You know, so this is this is still neon still doing it like parasite parasite a couple years ago like very much opened people's eyes to like international cinema or like oh this movie's absolutely insane this is what movies can be like i'm in let's do more um you know in a very different way like moonlight did that for a24 like not that it was insane in any way but that i've never seen a movie do this in this way before can i see more please and i think pig is kind of an example of that i i mean it's very simple in its presentation, but very sort of off kilter at the same time. And it's, I think it's a challenge to get people to see it in, in every metric, but I think almost anyone who sees it's going to love it. Like, I don't know how you could not like it. Like, it's really kind of a movie anyone can engage with. Yeah. You just have to give it a chance. I mean, I think I'm going to pull up the reviews right now, but I think it's like, it was hovering close to a hundred. I think 97 last time I saw it. Which I prefer. Like, I don't like hundreds. That just means it's just waiting for a, like, very yeah less than genuine, like, I'm going to get some publicity. Waiting for I, a, I, it's waiting for someone to come in there waiting. and just say, I'm, an, actually I'm an a-hole. White to come in. Yeah. Be, I mean, I don't Armin, like Armin White might like. actually like this. Um, it's at 91% right now. Well, okay. Well, I, 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 never mind. I'm not. I'm not going to say it. I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Two, 90, that was two. You Ninety-eight percent. Ninety-eight percent. There was one rotten review, and it's from someone I've never heard of. Armand White. Uh, no, uh, it's from a guy who's definitely white. Um, what's a, perhaps what's most unexplainable about this latest Nicolas Cage foray into hopelessly outlandish? He didn't watch this movie. No, he didn't. No. Like, there's nothing outlandish about it. No. It's very subdued for him yeah. for the first time in a long time. I mean, which is funny because that's just what we were talking about. Like, everything about it suggested you would get that. Mm-hmm. But and it's you don't, not. Which is great. That's the thing. It, the, the internalized performance is what makes it. It's like you have Nicolas Cage up to 11, and this is Nicolas Cage at a, what, a two? Maybe maybe hits a three or four here or there. But it's... Yeah. Uh, it's I don't you said everyone who sees it will love it. I don't agree with that. I think you're gonna have a lot of people really? who can say, That was dumb. What about you know what you know and, and never understand it and never take the time to sit down mm. and, and just take it in. But I think people who enjoy film and people who give film it uh the time and the thought it deserves will really yes. enjoy it. Uh red alert, Armin White loved it. Yeah. His reviews right above yours and mine. Ah, that's funny. Um <laughs> Armin I mean Take this for what it, take this for what it's worth, but I guess we're agreeing with Armin White today. He says, in the subtly political extension of Liam Neeson's Taken and Mel Gibson's Bloodfather, Cage explores the lonely suffering of those people who realize they've been betrayed. Sarnowski and Cage have fashioned a quiet piece of political poetry. I think he's focused on a very, very tiny piece of the movie. Yeah. But sure. I mean, that's his game. He he grabs one tiny thing and makes it about everything. Joe, um, yours is your and mine reviews are right next to each other. Friends friends forever. I mean, I was going to make a joke that Ryan's thinking up my review, but uh, cool. We'll go with the nicer (laughs) one. I'm I'm okay with that too. Uh, Actually. So here, let's play a quick game. 
before we oh, wrap before on the, we before we move on, I haven't talked about the film. Yeah, I won't, yeah, yeah. Miles, Miles hasn't said a word. Miles, on this. talk about the film. He didn't. Then see we it. have a. It doesn't have any Marvel I actually, connections. I, ha- I have mm. many thoughts. Um, I loved it as much as everyone else. It's in my top five of the year. It's yeah. it was a very surprising film in the best way possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I'm in the minority here because I actually love like the schlocky Nick Cage movies. But I think oh, well, also, I think they have their charm. But I think that this is schlock's not for everyone. To, no, but you know, well, that's the that's thing. I'm I'm still objective enough to be able to differentiate something like this from what has Abs- unfortunately become yeah. what he usually does. Absolutely. But I think also he's a different actor. He's not someone like a Bruce Willis who he'll just do an action movie and people say, "Oh, it's Bruce Willis in an action." Yeah, movie. no, those are, those like, are atrocious. But he's like sleepwalking through it. Like regardless of the scale of the film. Unless it's something like Season of the Witch or something that has nothing for him to engage with, he's always giving 110%, even if the film is not worth it. And more often than not, the film is not worth it. But here, almost on the complete opposite side of the spectrum, the film is very much worth it. And what's so incredible about his performance is how minimal it is Mm -hmm. and how internalized and reserved it is. I also think it's worth uh, giving a shout out to Alex Wolf. Uh, Cage is phenomenal and steals the yeah. show, but I think Alex Wolf gives a very strong sort of supporting performance, He's and fine. they play off each mm-hmm. other really well. And I agree. Between between this and uh, his work in Hereditary, he's someone who's really kind of impressing me lately. My uh, um, my review with him is up tomorrow. Oh, perfect. Interview. Um, sorry. But yeah, I think this is a film that you know you'd mentioned how it's um, Joey, how it's sort of very simple. Uh, it's it's lean is what it is to go with the food metaphors. It like all the fat has been cut off. It's a triumph of theme and character over plot because it's the kind of thing that it doesn't spell anything out for you. It just throws a couple of ideas your way. The best example of this is uh, the restaurant scene uh, where he talks to the other chef, where it just sort of presents these concepts with you and then just kind of lets you sit with them, kind of lets you marinate with them and kind of, you know, you get... A, out of this movie as much as you put into it in a lot of ways. Agreed. And I think because of that, it has the capacity to really resonate with people, which it clearly is doing. Um, I don't know if it's my <coughs> favorite film of the year, but it's definitely the one I've been thinking about the most since I've seen it. And I think that counts for a lot. It does throw off one theme, which is normally the worse the movie is that he's in, the crazier his hair is. And he has pretty crazy hair, but this is great. Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's like an well, older version of uh, Con Ed here, right? A little bit. A little well, I want to yeah. Con Air, Con Air. I have a, I have two games quickly. One's just for Miles because we we almost ignored him. Miles, you love schlocky Nicholas Cage. You have a film hawk face off of schlocky Nicholas Cage. Hit me. Willie's Wonderland or Mandy? Mandy for sure. It's you call it glorified schlock or elevated schlock, and it may very well be that. But what schlock? Like <laughs> what a what just a psychedelic wonderment. And it has one of my favorite things in any movie, which you see all too rarely, which is a chainsaw battle. Mm. I think it's I can think of like three films that you see one in, but it's top notch. I think he's quite good in it. I think Linus Roach is incredible in it. Uh, And just visually, it's very, very stunning. Uh, Willy's Wonderland is fine, but dumb. Knowing or next? Uh, I mean, they're about on par i like um, no knowing a lot I, I i give knowing the edge because i think alex proyas even when he's making junk which is more often than not is still a very interesting director next is just very forgettable drive angry or gone in 60 seconds 
I wanted to like Drive Angry because I thought it was going to be super schlocky, but it's actually very disappointing. So I'll go with Gone in 60 Seconds. Uh, the Sorcerer's Apprentice or Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, the sequel. <laughs> uh, ne- neither of them are that great, even though they had the capacity to be fun in a dumb way. But I'll give the slight edge to Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance uh, because it's got so much weird what the fuckery to it. And because um, Taylor and Neville Dean know how to make an interesting movie, if not a great one. Seeking Justice or Primal? Uh, which one's Seeking Justice? <laughs> Seeking Justice is the one where he, it's like a death wish, basically. He's a, Guy Pierce is in it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, I'll give it to that one because Guy Pierce is in it. it. They're both pretty crappy. Um, Mom and Dad or Rage? Oh, I love Mom and Dad. That one for sure. Rage is Ma- whatever. It's very forgettable. Mom and Dad is fun. Um, one more. The Frozen Ground or Left Behind? Oh, Jesus. Uh, probably you. The Frozen Ground. I barely remember it, but Left Behind is awful. Isn't Left Behind also like vaguely a Christian movie? Yeah, well, that based on those help. stupid books. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, a remake of the Kirk Cameron masterpiece. Oh, who who would have thought? Uh, yeah. So before we wrap up with Emmys, because I have very little to say about them because I don't watch enough TV, I want to play a game for everyone that we can I keep score on because we all. And I love. If you're going to do it, do it right. Uh, we're going to play the nobody cheat. Did Armin White like it game? <laughs> this is good. This I like good. this. This is this is fun. Oh my god! Yeah, because that son of a bitch doesn't like anything. Oh. And then what he likes but, makes like, no sense. Every now and then he will like something that like that you like, and then you question yourself. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So no cheating. We've now established he likes pig. I'm gonna a title of a film that's ample. I'm gonna even I'll give you a test one. We won't count this one if you don't like if you don't want. Did Armin White like No Sudden Move? That's Soderbergh. I'm gonna, yep, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no because it had. <laughs> I know this sounds bad. It had a, a a strong black lead, so there's no way he liked it. I'm gonna say no. We will count it because you all got it right. He did not like it. Mm-hmm. Even though he had nothing to say about that. Yeah. Um, he, he somehow. Fi- if, yeah. No, I'm not going to go there. Did Armin White like F9? Miles, you mm-hmm. first. This one's tricky for me because I, I am very much a fan of the Fast and Furious movies, specifically the second half after The Rock showed up. But I didn't like F9 that much. And I wonder, I don't know how he normally feels about it, but it doesn't fit with the current trajectory. So maybe, maybe yes. Final answer? Yeah, I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say yes as well. I'm going to say he didn't like it because it's got a minority cast. Armin White did not like F9. Mm-hmm. It was a shot in the dark. Think, John, think, think John, about <laughs> I'm sorry. Genre franchises can be reassuringly familiar. The Fast and Furious series has now gotten to the point that it's raison d'etre is now out of touch with the way people relate socially, except in the minds of editorial writers. Yeah. 
Makes absolute, sure. Makes absolutely no fucking sense. Makes you has, has has one man ever been simultaneously so pretentious and yet so far off base at the same time? It's very it's, hard. It's very hard to tell if he can hear that criticism, Miles, because his head's so far up his ass. Mm-hmm. True that. Did Armin White like in the Heights? <laughs> Def- definitely not. Definitely not. I'm going to refer you to the previous statement I said about F9. It's got a minority cast. So, no, he did not like it. I want to go against the, uh, the grain. I will say he did like it. Miranda's cultural misappropriation in In the Heights is the grotesque <laughs> product of a mainstream culture that seeks a Latino figure who is acceptable precisely because he is politically and artistically non threatening. So, he liked Arthur it. White wow. did not like In the Heights. Yeah. Wow, that's. I'm sure the RNC at CPAC told him to tell you that one. Did Armin White like Cruella? Ooh. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no because it has a strong female lead. And that threatens him. I'm going to say yes because this is how I lose games. (laughs) Cruella instructs millennials that their own psychosis is excusable, admirable, and fun. Armin White did not like Rilla. I could do this all day. There's so, <laughs> so great. Keep it going. It's like because he's so specific. It's not just. It's like it's, it's not, not just, just that I don't like it. It's that it's all it's, millennials. Find something specific yeah. to get like way overworked about. And it's hilarious every time. <laughs> that quote should be on the poster. <laughs> did yeah, like like that's a that's a selling point for a lot of people. Did Armin White like Georgetown, the Christoph Waltz directorial movie? Yes. Because most other people didn't. I'm going to say yes as well. I'm going to say that has a predominantly white cast um, from a German director. Uh, So that could only mean that he was giddy for it. It's one of his favorite films of the year. Waltz delivers a dazzling, memorable con. There you go. Harmon White did like Georgetown. There's no way he did not like it. All right. I think you guys are sensing a theme. Yeah. (laughs) Did Armin White... Like Army of the Dead. Mm. No. My instinct is no, but there's a chance he it's like his favorite film ever. You know, like you, <laughs> sometimes you just can't tell. Uh, I, I'm going to say no. It's not wide enough. So, no. No. Braun, no. Mm-hmm. Zack Snyder's new zombie movie works differently than his grand comic book myths. It's a grim vision of modern dystopia. Outrageous. And not very funny. <laughs> he did not like Army of the Dead. He threw, he threw a little curveball there at the end. Yeah, 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 no, yeah. That, that could have gone either way. You sick bastard, Armand. Look at what you're doing. <laughs> did Armand White... And sorry, guys, we are going to go long on this one because we're going to do this for a while. Yeah, we're going to do this um, for a while. Like, can this we come great. back to this? I really enjoy No, I want to keep doing it. Keep we'll, doing do, it. we'll do it again. We'll do it again next week. <laughs> Did Armin White like French Exit? Yes. Oh, that has no. sort of the pastiche build enough uh, to have his head come out of his ass enough to smell. I'm going to say... And, and, and not see his shadow. Exactly. And then we get... F- is it six more weeks of winter? Um, so I'm going to say because of the all-white cast, uh, he loved it. 
Miles? I said no. Michelle Pfeiffer's role as Frances Price, a sardonic widow and mother living out her dwindling inheritance in French Exit, is the finest characterization in any movie from 2020. Guys, it's an all-white cast set in France. What do you, can you expect? Ryan's accusations of wild racism on Armin White's part has presu- produced a perfect score so far. <laughs> Incredible. I, I would because say, the like, man I would is... say change your lane, but also it's clearly working for him. I would also yeah. say the man that booed Steve McQueen for 12 years a slave. I present these receipts as well to continue the theory. Mm-hmm. Did I kicked Armin out of White... New York Critics Group, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, did Armin White like One Night in Miami? Definitely not. I'm going to say yes. He did not because of the cast and bonus points directed by a female. There's no sense of the spiritual and theological foundations of black American survival. Instead, One Night in Miami establishes a cult of celebrity activism with Malcolm as its deity. (laughs) He did not like One Night in Miami. (laughs) This is great. Did Armin White. We should call this Armin... Wrong or right? Oh, wrong or white? <laughs> uh, no, Armin. Wrong or white? Yeah, yeah. That's what yeah I'm basically, to uh, basically. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Did Armin White like pieces of a woman? Ooh, I'm gonna say he didn't Ooh. because uh, because his right wingness gets in the way here with abortion or or like you know baby births and stuff like that and abortion and his whole stance and he just lumps it all together. I'm going to say yes, because maybe he's a low-key Shia LaBeouf defender now. Oh, that's fair, too. Oh, that's tough. Yeah. Damn it, I didn't see that, Miles. I might, my streak might break. I'm going yes. Kirby's performance consists of mood scenes and attitude posturing, since Weber's cliché dialogue is subordinate to the director's attempt at visual realism. He didn't like the lily-white pieces of a woman. Wow. Shocking. All right, this is going to change it all now. Did Armin White like Godzilla versus Kong? The humans are so secondary, you can't possibly care about them. By the way, Ryan has a perfect score. He's nine for nine. The score is nine, six, four. Sorry, Steve. Did I lose mm. out on three of those? I thought I was doing better than that. Where's my yeah. Chevy? God damn it. Um, Godzilla versus Kong? Ooh, that's a... Mm. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say yes. God damn it. Um, this one's tough. Um, I'm going to say no because he doesn't like fun. At least the VFX team had fun. All this technology is invested in monsters because Hollywood is no, no longer knows how to do people. Well... He did not like Godzilla vs. Kong. The... He should relate. I mean, Hollywood made monsters, which is clearly what Armand White is. Perfect score continues. Um, we'll do a couple more. Okay. There are several pages of this. <laughs> which was crazy because he got kicked off for a while. Yeah. And then they, they he sort of slithered back in like Palpatine. Yeah. All right. Here's a challenging one. Did Armand White like Zack Snyder's Justice League? Ding, ding, ding. Can I, can I go first here? Uh, if you'd like. Yes. 
he did because he didn't like the original or like the Joss Whedon version because it broke Pat with one of his favorite films of the last decade, which was Batman versus Superman. Fun fact for everyone out there. He's a big release the Snyder Cut guy. I'll agree agree with a yes. Something he said earlier made it sound like he was a fan of Snyder, so... I'm going to say no, because Zack Snyder's Justice League is better than Batman v Superman. So following his train of reverse logic, he did not like the film that was better than the film he does like. The essential point of Snyder rebounding from a career catastrophe and making it right is demonstrated in the personal dilemma of each superhero. ZSJL's restored vision reminds us of pop art's value. Bingo. He's fucking chill for that shit. I'm on a roll. Did Armin White like coming to America? No. <laughs> Assuredly, no. Nope. Okay. So while this does have a predominantly black cast, it is from a white director. So that sort of bypasses that. I'm going to say because everyone else hated it, it goes with the standpoint of the original Armin White argument. Everyone else hated it, so he must have loved it. Murphy and Brewer's affectionate comedy provides emotional sustenance about family and ethnicity. Coming to America is hilarious and sane, uh, and that goes deeper than pretend pride. Bravo, you, Eddie Murphy. You had the right instinct, Ryan. It's if it's contrary if he can be contrarian yes, enough that overpowers. He's a petty, petty man. He's a petty man. Twelve seven five. Ryan's great. still perfect. It's so great because he's such a piece of shit. Did did Armand White like the United States versus Billy Holiday? No, no, not even he could like Lee Daniels. There's no way. No, no, there's no way you liked it. <laughs> In the United States versus Billy Holiday, ignorance about jazz. Combines oh, with brazen masochism, <laughs> reducing Holiday to a victim denies her ultimate victory. Everyone got that one right. Yeah. Did yeah. Armand White like Judas and the Black Messiah? Definitely not. <laughs> because Black Cast and most people loved it, so it goes against everything he believes in. And it's got progressive values. You got to remember that too. Progressive. He's not a fan of flow. Okay, I'm saying yes. So. So there's no way he liked that. Against logic. Audiences are left frustrated and susceptible to easy suasion. This superficial (laughs) view of the past contributes to the national dismantling perpetrated by mainstream media. You got to remember, he writes for a national review, which is as right wing as they get of publications. I, I like the implication he has that the audience is both frustrated and easily persuaded. Yep. Did did Armand White like Minari? Come on, I'm sure he. I'm sure he did not. Come on. Yes. What are we doing here? There's no way. Yes. There's no way. Patronizing reviewers misread Chung's informal style as eloquence or charm, but for alert movie watchers, the lack of effect feels unimaginative. He did not like Minari and uh, thinks you're wrong for liking it. Joe, oh my God. Can, I, yeah. can I ask one for the panel? Sure. Can you can you 
we're, go and look at two films? Can you see what he said about Promising Young Woman and Nomadland? Uh, Promising Young Woman. They're actually coming up shortly. Okay. So we'll we'll stop maybe. We'll do the rest of this page just because I'm enjoying it. Okay. <laughs> Did Armin White like Soul? Oh, I do not think he likes yeah. Soul. I'd say no. No, there's a black lead. Animated okay. animated or live action. He's not going to like that. I'm going to say yes and continue to take my score into the dumps, but he's got to say yes. I'm also he's just waiting for Ryan like to get one wrong. Not since the beat movement has soul been so easily sold to all, in parentheses, meaning white hipsters. I can just guarantee probably now there's no way in hell he liked pretty much any of the Best Picture nominees because of the fact that he would probably agree with that Bill Maher video that came out about like all of them being dour and bullshit and self-important. So I'm going to say well, that he just doesn't like any of them. Well, we're going to find out because we're, we're getting fine. to the Best Picture nominees. Okay. All right. Did Armand White like The Trial of the Chicago 7? Oh yes, mm. yes. He might have actually. I'm gonna say he did. Come on, Ryan. What is it? Steve, you said yes. Yes, because it's whitewashing Black history, and he loves. But it. but they're also a film about progressives, and it is Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, but maybe liberal. he sided with the Frank Langella character. Yeah, just the because most sympathetic uh, performance <laughs> of the year. <laughs> He saw himself really in the performance. Oh boy! Oh, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna go with the trend of that. He didn't agree with any of the best picture. Not though that one's real close. Whether dealing with bureaucrats or student zealots, the film has a perspective on social turmoil. We still could go either way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That falls short of the insightful pa- uh, panorama in the French AIDS activis- activism epic. Beats per minute. Sorkin's right side of history saga is the bent history. What the? What the? What the fuck? What does that even mean? God he preferred. It means he beats loved per it. Minute. BPM, which is a good movie, I will say. I did like BPM, uh, but yeah, he did not like Trial of Chicago Seven, Eleven, Seventeen, Six. Ryan is still perfect. Did Armand White like Sound of Metal? Directed by a white man, I will I will throw that out there. True, but it is about people with disabilities, which he probably doesn't like. So I'm going to say uh, he he didn't like it. Yeah, I'm going to say no on this one. I'll continue with the yeses. Sound of Metal shows the millennium's avoidance of soulful self examination, merely a showy, <laughs> merely a showy cinematic tattoo. A narcissistic <laughs> desecration of the body. Sound of Metal is a work of spiritual vacancy. I didn't 96. even like Sound of Metal that much, but what kind of fucking stupid take is that? I kind of want to have dinner with this man. Just to, just to read him his own shit. And say, I, you, really, you really don't think it stinks, do you? I'm, I'm going to Miles' wedding in November, and I want to pay Armin White to write his best man speech for him. Wait, you're going to Miles' wedding? Yeah. Steve, are you going? I am not, uh, unless it's unless the uh, the invitation slipped underneath my rug. Oh, wow! Miles. Oh, we're working on this live on the air. Wow, Miles. Okay, you know what? <laughs> I've, just... I've met, I've known Joey for a decade, and also I've met him in real life, so nothing well, personal, guys. Well, I mean, it seems like you don't want to try to meet us before this wedding to make it more personal. <laughs> Cancel so, the lunch. Uh, yeah. Speaking guess, of the dangers 
of meeting strangers. Armand White. White, like promising young woman. <laughs> I'm gonna say this, and I'm sorry, Steve, for the edit. Fuck no. I will say yes. I will say no. It's a as progressive of a movie probably last year. Dark comic nihilism like this has appealed to hipsters ever since <laughs> Gus Van Sant's To Die For. But now it resembles regime, regime change, confirming a major fault of the indie film movement that traded populist sentiment for elitist cynicism. None of that has anything to do with the movie, by the way. <laughs> you know he what? could have not watched you the know movie what? and written that sentence. I agree. No, I'm just kidding. It's, he, doesn't make, he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. He tries to because he doesn't like he do, he can't like something that everyone else loved, so he has to find some sort of way, and it all goes back to all the points that I've made already. Did Armand White like Nomadland? No, no, yes, no. I'm saying yes. Look, we all love. I like Nomadland. Steve. We just all love yes Nomadland, so there's no way in hell he loved Nomadland. Nomadland looks both social, sociologically and touristy. It's a visual lecture teaching America to pity itself. Aaron White did not like Nomadland. You know, he's consistent. Which is crazy because that's sort of the white America you think he'd love to see. But yeah. Chloe Zhao directed it. Mm-hmm. I was just about to say that throws not him like off. Not like Truffaut or somebody like that that he would love. Did you know. Armin White like my Rhinese Black Bottom? Oh, definitely. No. I'm going to switch to a nice big no. I guarantee you he was rooting for Anthony Hopkins. So there's uh, no way. He was oh, so rooting. you're in good company. Well, I, w- I wouldn't. Well, he was probably rooting for the whole telecast to burn down to the ground, to be honest, because he's not a big probably Oscar fan, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, because, st- because the Oscars are a threat to, you know, to the society because of the liberal agenda. Mm hmm. Instead of the fraternal interplay that Altman and Martin were so good at, Wolf and Washington <laughs> aim for predictable tragedy. Robert Altman? He brought Altman into this? Yep, Robert Altman and Darnell Martin. What the what, fuck? What, what, is the, what, what does that have to do with fucking anything? There's a pretty big cast, so it must be... Uh, See how he brings up piece. Robert Altman, the whitest man possible, to talk about... <laughs> yep. to talk about a movie that is not white at all. Did Armon White... Like time, mm. the documentary time. Yes. Uh no. Yes. It's it. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's about a man, an African American gentleman, that is uh, wrongfully in prison. Yes. No, he didn't like it because he would want the inverse to happen. No, he thought it was a feel-good movie. No, he, th- he was like, no, he was rooting for him probably to stay in, not get Oops. out. The film is predicated on deliberate, phony artiness. Nothing like liberal condescension to turn what might have been a sincere vow into 100% pure cliche. See? All right, brace yourself. Oh, boy. Did Armand White like Tenet? Oh! Oh! <laughs> I'm gonna say yes. Fuck. This is tough because I don't think he would like Nolan. This is I the think one he, but I think he liked Dunkirk. 
but it also has John David Washington as the lead. And he doesn't like Denzel because of the statements he just made, right, about Ma Rainey. And he's mm-hmm. not a fan of Spike. I know that for a fact. He is not a fan of Spike at all. Mm. Probably vice versa, too. Probably vice versa. Oh, I'm sure Spike has so many lovely words for him. Um, oh, my God. We should play We should play this game with Spike Lee if he ever comes on the podcast. <laughs> I would pay so, does, so much money to do that. contrarianism way out against his racism? <laughs> yeah. I would so pay money for that. Um, I'm going to say no. There's too many factors that says he would say yes. Ryan still has a perfect score. <laughs> Fact is, Tenet should not be taken more seriously than a James Bond movie. As an action film, it isn't nearly as skillful as a Tom Cruise Mission Impossible commodity. Which maybe is a hint for later. Oh. Commodity. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Um, did Armin White like Wonder Woman 1984? Female superhero movie directed by a woman, no. You have to yeah, think like the worst person in the world. Reviews, I don't know. I mean, I liked it, but clearly most of the rest of the world didn't. No. I'm going with a yes. Uh, I'm going to say yes. 24, 16, 7. The tone of Wonder Woman 1984 wobbles from half-serious political satire to silly comedy. Jenkins parodies Back to the Future to depict 80s kitsch, but her <laughs> film ends up just being tacky like Richard Donner's 1978 Superman. What the hell is wrong with him? <laughs> he just shit all over a dead man. <sighs> Granted, he probably wasn't dead at the time, but still. The man was in his did, 90s. Leave Richard Donner Armin, alone. Did Armin White like true history of the Kelly gang? Um... Because he probably loved Ned Kelly, right? The one no one liked. Right, yeah. <laughs> what is that? Well, yeah, Isn't that the one with I Orlando bet, Bloom I bet and you Heath he Ledger? up the superior Ned Kelly. Is that the one uh, with Orlando I don't Bloom see Ned Kelly listed in this sentence, but when you hear what he does suggest, you're, you're going to be gobsmacked. I'm going to say no. Yes. God damn it. Uh, no. The streak is over. Oh, fucking hell. He liked that? This pop art method suggests Alex Cox crossed with Pierre Paolo Pasolini. What the Crizella fuck? is made a post-punk, post-hip-hop, post-neo-realist, post-Western. What is wrong with him? Fucking get checked, dude. He nailed it. Three more. Uh, oh, come on. It was one White. more like ten ago. Yeah. Th- no, he said three. three did you say three more or one more? Three more. I got three more. Okay. Three more. One's very easy. Did Armand White like the way I see it? Which one was that? The documentary about Obama. <laughs> the, uh, the White House <laughs> photographer. No. Yeah, no. That's a, that's a, that's a no. Uh, in his work and in his film, Souza conflates idol tree with history. Wait, is that the Dinesh Susan film? No, that's the. Uh, oh. He's talking about Pete Souza, the White House photographer. Oh, Pete Souza. I thought you said Dinesh yeah. Souza. Wait, wait no. a minute here. Oh, no, he oh, didn't like that? That would have been his favorite film of the year. Two more. Did he like The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone? The Godfather 3 New Cut? Yes. Oh, yeah, I assume yes. so. Who doesn't? He said yes? Yeah, I'll, I'll say Three yeses. Yeah, I'll Everyone say. was right. Yeah. He loved it. The rich complexity of Coppola's vision was never fully appreciated, not even by Coppola himself. Was altered it to fit contemporary negativity. 
And finally, did Armand White like Mank? Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. I'm going to say no. He would rip all over Fincher's ass immediately. Mank is so bogus <laughs> and so lacks yes? dramatic credibility. I'll skip the shoddy narrative to note the immediate offense of this folly. Fincher has chosen to honor Mankiewicz over director, co-writer, and lead actor Orson Welles as a celebrity cult aberration. Yeah, he would want to go with Orson Welles. Incredible. Fucks. Tune in uh, next week for part two of <laughs> Armin White. This was Ron. great. I'm not going to lie. This might be the best bit we've ever done. This yeah, might this be the really best bit we've this ever is- done. This is fun for me. You, and now Joe, you guys all get to. I think, was that? Joe, I think you're going to have this week to go deep in there and do yes. like a hodgepodge and just find a bunch of randos that you oh, would yeah. be surprised. Yeah, we need more yeses. Because if I just. Well, yeah, I was just knows, going down this page. I, hit about I mean, 20. you say you need more yeses, but this is Armin White we're talking about. Yeah, he's yeah. going to be well, a yeah, majority how many yeses no. exist. <laughs> he's. I mean, I'm, here, I'm going to go to a, just a. We're not counting anymore. Oh. And we're going to talk Emmys to wrap up, but. Uh, I'm just I'm gonna like like beats per minute. <laughs> Considering he cited it by not liking a non-related movie. Oh my god. What if he didn't like it? Did what Armin he, White What if he didn't like, like it? What the, if he didn't the, like it, but he cited it as for not liking another movie? <laughs> did did Armin White like Baywatch? Yes. 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 He actually didn't. Oh my god, okay. Oh. <laughs> Good thing they didn't count. <laughs> and and finally, because I think we all know this one, did Armin White like Get Out? No. no. What did he say? Nope. He said Get Out is an attenuated com- comedy sketch in which serious concerns are debased. No, kind of like his career. Yeah. Um, here, one last one. Just because. God we damn all know it, we can't. We can't. Well, no, because Steve wanted one that he liked. Armin White liked The Great Wall. <laughs> a fucking course he someone, did. Someone had to. A fucking course he did. Son of a bitch. Oh, in these God days, so consistent. In these days, when so-called resistance from DC to the Straits uses dishonorable methods, the Great Wall offers a conscientious reminder of artistic principle, the respite of an aesthetically powerful comic book. I think we should have him on. I think we should really have him on. I see him at screenings all the time. Go up to him. Say, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? You have I would ha- one of my I would co- probably, one of the co-hosts I would that I have, have is to, you know I mean? I'd probably have to flash like the Proud Boy symbol or something, right? <laughs> he blocked me many years ago because I called no him one's a ever pretentious fuck. Because I just don't like rag on people. Well, it's because he said something to somebody, and I was just like, "Quit being a pretentious fuck." I mean, I listen, mean, you know, and he deserved I, it. I listen. I pay. I pay attention when people are doing. It. I just don't chime in. Like. There are like three. There are three people that have blocked me, and it's all because they were idiots. It's Donald Trump, Armand White, Mister Insider over at Collider, and Grace Randolph. Mm. Yeah, they all have. Like I went, like I went Trump and Trump and Clayton. <laughs> what? No, I I have another name I could have said, but I won't because you'd get annoyed at me. <laughs> I'll but say it. Say it. That's Who for cares? another. No. Say it. An fair conversation. I was going to make fun of something else. Um, I will say that, like, for example, I know today everyone was ragging on... on, I know what you were going to say. Yeah, I know. Everyone was ragging on Alex Billington today for a tweet he sent out that... uh, A very dumb tweet. A very dumb tweet. But 
I think very that's privileged, one of, very dumb. That's an example of someone of that's an example of people who just don't know what they're dealing with. Like I used to write for Alex years and years ago. Like he lives in a bubble. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, Listen. there are many people that are that are like that. I mean, we have friends that you know they 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 yeah. write for their own goals and and everything else is their sort of oblivious too. And and I mean, but at the same token, though, sometimes it's okay not to tweet out those. And thoughts. I and I will say yes, one goes back to what matt singer always tweets which is never tweet he's right he's a thousand percent right and like two things i'll say about it and i'm not defending alex because he's wrong one a lot of the people who rag on on him for doing that say the same thing in real life so don't like don't pretend you're above this Mm -hmm. and uh and two like i can translate alex a little bit and I think he was talking more about like the experience of being at a film festival, which is which, different. Which he's not wrong. I mean, like I do miss being at the film festivals, and um, you know, it. I think it was the difference virtually for South by from a good festival in 2019 to a you know mediocre one in 2021 because like there just wasn't the normal stuff that usually goes. But at the same token, though, he's got to know that like. The restrictions for people to get out of this country to go over there right now are tough. It's expensive. People are still trying to get. Back I mean, on even, yeah, after expensive. COVID. It's, like, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of factors that go into it. Plus, also, I mean, you you do look at a lot of the critics that are at Cannes. It is predominantly white and predominantly male, and yeah, that's I mean, a problem though are, within Cannes. You know I mean? There are there are there are. I mean, listen, there are festivals that are bigger gatekeepers than others. No bigger one than Telluride. But Telluride and Can have always have a big Telluride and Can have the biggest barrier of entry, followed by Venice and Berlin because it's expensive to get there. Like that's just the reality of things, and like that's why I don't go. Like, listen, is it a good idea to be there? Sure, almost certainly. Could I make the case it's probably way better for me to not spend a thousand dollars to get somewhere to go watch movies when? when they will in fact show them to me for free here i mean listen when i have disposable income to do it that way maybe i will and and there's nothing wrong with that but you can't get mad at someone for for not going to a festival you you can't get mad at someone for then being mad at you that you're like annoyed that they get to watch a movie like listen there's a difference between being annoyed that someone saw something at home before you saw it yeah like i get that like there i I've, I've been that way periodically there's nothing wrong with being a little annoyed when you're waiting online at the new york film festival in the rain because it always rains for the opening screening and you see the tweet that like someone in la is about to sit down and watch it in a screening room i get it there's nothing like wrong with being like Ugh, i wasted my time but at the same time to then make it seem as if your your like your take shouldn't be as valued. That's a hundred percent wrong. So I I mean, listen, Alex also called the cops on someone at a festival for being on their cell phone. So this is not um, necessarily out of brand. I don't know if anyone else has a thought there besides Ryan. No, I yeah. Guys. Right, there's there's one word that screwed uh, screwed him up because I'll read you the tweet. I don't. He I, said we really shouldn't be giving this the time of day. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anything to dig into. A, a wrong take is a wrong take. Yeah, I'll just say he he said 
a real film festival experience involves being there, essentially. And that's his mistake. He shouldn't have said that. When he said a real experience takes away from other people, you can say it's a more fulfilling, it's that, but to take away from the other thing is is wrong. So let's wrap up with the Emmys where there's plenty of bad takes to go around. Um, I I don't pay a ton of attention just because I don't watch enough of the shows, but I did see that somehow Don Cheadle was nominated for stumbling onto the set of the, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. The dumbest, dumbest To which he also, I think, tweeted, like, I don't get it, but great, thanks. So, um, because we can, there's so many categories, because they're easy to see on the site, and you should go to our site. Um, everyone, besides me, because I don't have an opinion, really, tell me your three favorite nominations and any thoughts you have on it, as opposed to breaking down the, the categories. Um... Steve, do you want to go real quick? Um, and, credit, and credit to Steve for, for doing a lot of the Emmy-related stuff yeah, behind the scenes. Job, my, indi- my indifference does sort of come out when it comes to the Emmys. See, I, I thought it would be going the opposite way. Um, oh, I, I can go first if you want, Steve. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, I, um, okay. I was, Steve. I was um, very excited to see... Um, well, one, I was just very excited to see MJ Rodriguez get in there for Pose. I think that she's that was pretty cool, fantastic, and um, in that show, and it's their final season. And as much as that show's been about Billy Porter, obviously uh, she's carried it, and it's the first um, trans actress in a in a leading role, and the first trans actor period to land a, uh, an Emmy nomination, in a lead role, and that's history. Um, I was very. Also, oh, I'm sorry. I would say not to toot our own horn, but. Uh, that was one of many interviews that we did here on the site. We had a, a very good, actually, uh, record with who we interviewed getting nominated. Keita oh, yeah. Thompson, MJ. Yeah. Like, we, uh, you know, and some of that is who's if made If you want available. a nomination, come Most here, of basically. Ted Lasso. We've, Most yeah, of Ted Lasso. We, we did very, I mean, like, just, just about everyone on Ted Lasso who was nominated besides, all, most of the male uh, supporters yeah. were in both the fe- separate Both female uh, supporters as well. And Sudeikis. Um, yeah. I was... Um, I was happy to see uh, Underground Railroad get in there. I was very disappointed that Small Axe and the good uh, Lord Bird did not get in um, in a lot of places um, in that WandaVision. Um, and, uh, and uh, oh God, what is that? The Queen's Gambit got in in their place, which I thought was, um, com- if you're comparing those two, I mean, the, those two other series are just far better, but I understand the popularity of the others. Uh, I will say, as an outsider, and I'm, I count myself as kind of an Emmy outsider, I do like that they do sort of the, like, we're going to nominate this in one yeah. of the top categories, but not so much in the bottom. Like, we're kind of pulling, because there's so many TV shows. There's yeah. so many more shows than movies that they kind of do almost like a poo-poo platter. Like, yeah, they give you a, give you a hodgepodge like, of everything. Yeah, like, yeah. He, this is kind of what we feel like the world was watching drama-wise. Yeah. And, and like... I get you. Um, yeah, so I, I just I, appreciate I, I just I appreciate it, but I also it's like I, oh, I yeah. still I still think it's I, they, I still think it's a little bit of quant you know, I want quality a little bit more. Oh yeah, the, if there's some like prestige that. television thing that you love that missed, yeah. you're probably annoyed at the boys right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think that drama and comedy this year were low. Um, you know, that they weren't as stacked as usual years like Better Call Saul and Succession weren't there and comedy's sort of in a big change right now, so um, yeah, when I when I looked at it, you know, it's it's clearly clearly in drama. It's the crown, possibly with Handmaid's Tale, and uh, and maybe a dark horse on the Mandalorian. 
And then in comedy, it's Ted Lasso all the way. Yeah, uh, comedy is looks kind of like maybe I'm, I just don't know, but it seems like a rough category. It is, but then I, th- I think at this point it's Ted Lasso there, and then in limited you could that looks you, amazing. Like I don't know who's gonna. I mean, that. yeah, I mean based off the nominations, I mean I would have said Underground was the front was a front runner, and then it didn't land uh, any acting nominations, which was crap. Did and it then, also not get Barry Jenkins? Something in writing, other. he did not get in for writing. He got in for directing, mm-hmm. uh, which was also crap. Um, but um, you know it, it, that that was the the one thing also too was that Hamilton dominated in a lot of those acting categories. Probably took away from uh, you know from what do you call it from all the you know small acts and. Uh, so wait, does that mean I was right a year ago when we had that award circuit argument about that movie, about that TV show slash movie? Well, slash? I said it was I said it was a movie. I didn't say it was a TV show. So I, um, well, and, I guess you were wrong. Well, and and then I thought that if you were going to run it for Oscars, run it for that, like they did Golden Globes, they put it in the film categories, and yeah. not run it at Emmys, which was stupid. And uh, and so yes, I th- I do think that that caught. I mean, Disney Plus had a great day regardless of that, um, and really showed its strength. And uh, that's why I think Loki and other shows next year will do really well for them continuously um, because Mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of people are watching those shows. But it was frustrating that Hamilton pulled out those nominations over small acts and underground and and other shows. But I will say the I think the one that I was very happy with um, was obviously Bo Burnham getting six nominations for Inside. Um, I think that that he should win as many of those as possible. And um, one last one, and then I'll kick it over to the other team, is that in the um, like late night show um, category, um, I know that we didn't have any women nominated and, and we only had Trevor Noah. And it was a, it's fairly a white category as to begin with. But I was very happy to see Conan get nominated. It's his last season before he makes its way over to HBO Max. I thought his interviews in his final season with some of the best interviewing laid back conversations throughout the entire pandemic. I think he's one of the best to ever do it. And it was nice to see him get recognized with the nomination, even though it's clearly going to go to John Oliver. I love Conan. I do not love his interviews. Um, they were, oh. were a little bit better this year, but I think he's one of the worst interviewers. And when he went on his podcast, he's amazing. When he's Conan yeah. O'Brien, when he's the guy reading the blue card, he is the worst. Well, I thought I thought this year they had a lot more fun and in, in laid back, but I and yeah. I, I I thought that I'm a long a time fan. His, yeah, but I, I get day one fan, so not a hater at all. Yeah, you're just just hating on hating on Conan. The idea that Small Axe wasn't there and Hamilton was, um, are That's, just yeah. two head scratchers. Hamilton, I loved Hamilton, but um. It shouldn't be there. It really doesn't no. make much sense. And, and and not in the volume it is. If it showed up one or two times, but to have it dominate categories is To have just seven insane. acting nominations is yeah. ridiculous. It, yeah. yeah. I mean. Although one of the acting nominations is one of my favorites. Con- contradictory, but uh, Jonathan Groff. Um, I mean, yeah, that's a great If you're going to nominate somebody, that's him and uh, David Diggs. Are, yeah, are the two. I don't understand the Anthony Ramos one when Christopher no. Jackson's never gotten any love, and I think Anthony Ramos just got in because he was in In the Heights. Yeah, I think the, I think they just had people saying I I saw Hamilton and yeah. I know who he off. is. Yeah, yeah, it's one of those Don Cheadle things where it's like I know where he is. It's yeah. like the stupid nomination for Emerald Fennell, uh in this in this category because she's barely in that show and she may be 
in like four episodes or whatever, but it's like 20 seconds in each. And there's only that one scene in the crown where she has the lunch with Diana. And it's just, it's more about like Diana's face and how uncomfortable she is throughout that entire process. Not about Camilla. And I don't understand that one at all. I thought that that was such a waste of a nomination. She's a guest spot put in there. And it, 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 that one made me really mad. Because I'm it took away from somebody picks, else. Uh, for series, for comedy, Pen15. Yeah. I'm extremely happy to see you at there. Paul Bettany, even though he was expected uh, for, for WandaVision. Brett Goldstein for Ted Lasso. Again, uh, kind of a favorite in the uh, in the category, but still happy to see it happen because uh, I didn't expect him to be the fan favorite he was. So when I mm-hmm. found out, heard about the love for him, uh, I was just happy to see it. Um, Juno Temple, same from Ted Lasso. And Bo Burnham is another one. Uh, you know, very happy to see some love there. Big disappointment, even though it didn't seem like it was going to happen. I just don't understand how it doesn't. Uh, Invincible, not getting in there and having some of those uh, you know, uninspired animated uh, series uh, nominations instead of something like that that just knocked me uh, on the floor uh, doesn't make sense to me. I, I, I'm thinking people didn't watch it. I'm thinking they watched the first 20 minutes and said, this is a superhero film and didn't even get to the end of episode one. Yeah. Which is, mm. which is crazy. Cause they obviously watched the boys and we're like, Oh, they were okay with that. Which I mean, well, the boys is a big cast and it's, yeah, it's, it's that, that getting in there, but also was, the visual effects on, on the boys and the, the production design invincible has a, a 19, what nineties style, which makes like it almost like a like a anime, not quite Miyazaki, but a very like Asian flavor to its animation yeah, very, style. Very yeah. anime, almost yeah, classic. Which is also not what the TV Academy goes for. No, yeah. they're going to go for something. Unfortunately, like Family Guy or Rick and Morty or something like that. Don't you knock Rick and Morty? No, I'm not. No, I'm not saying that as a bad thing. I'm saying that is more their wheelhouse. Yeah, that's I yeah, loved, fair. I've loved Rick and Morty so far this season. So oh, another, the last episode is stretcher, genius. Uh, Emily yeah, but in I, Paris and and uh, not being it or making it and Rutherford Falls not I I would have liked was that, the, was that Emily in Paris only nomination and you made it in I believe so that is yeah. nuts like nuts and I think it's mostly because we just all bitched him out but also too like I think the category itself like we just lost Shit's Creek we've lost Veep over the last couple of years uh, Maisel was off this year um, we didn't have Fleabag I mean. You look at drama. We didn't have Better Call Saul, Succession. Um, you know, there, there's shows. There's shows missing. Um, Ozark, right? Wasn't there either. So, um, yeah. But there's know, there's that, there's plenty of good TV. In but that. you know that that's the case. Is it's plenty. Of, it's interesting because it's sort of a changing of the guard year, right? Yeah. And um, you know, Ted Lasso just is just got nominated for his first season. Its second season is literally releasing in the next couple of days. And it's, for all intents and purposes, still going to be considered uh, the best comedy on television. And uh, and it is. And I love it. And uh, so it's going to be nice when that wins everything in the comedy. All right. Miles, we're running long. Bring us home. Yes. Um, so similar to Joey, I don't watch as much TV as I should. Um, I mainly stick to genre TV because that's what I know I'm going to enjoy for the most part. Um, I don't disagree with any of the points that have been made so far for the most part. Um, but as a fan of genre TV, I was happy to see, you know, recognition for stuff like WandaVision and the Mandalorian and the boys. 
Um, the big one for me that I was super happy about was I was a huge fan of Lovecraft Country last year. Yes. And I loved seeing it get as much love as it did. I pretty sure didn't it uh, like wasn't it the first um, show where um, it had uh, black actors in all of the major acting categories something like that like I, the first time a black uh, male and female lead at the very least yes uh, I, I think you're show. I think you're correct there it's just a goddamn shame HBO has, has canceled the show yeah and, and I get it and I wasn't really expecting a second season because they did finish the book that it's based on but yeah. clearly Misha Green still had ideas for new seasons so I would have liked to see more but somebody should pick it regard- up Regardless, um, it was a very good season, even if it's now going to be more of a limited series. Um, so I'm very excited uh, that it got as much love as it did. Um, would have liked to see a nomination for Anthony Starr from The Boys, because I think he's phenomenal as Homelander. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, otherwise, um, I agree with the points about Hamilton. I don't think it needs to be there. It, like these performances that were given like years and years ago are now getting nominated. It just doesn't make sense to me. No. Uh, and yeah, the Don Cheadle thing is weird as fuck, and they clearly didn't watch the rest of the show. <laughs> no, they clearly there watched the first. Well, episode. they clearly didn't even watch that episode because no. he's in it for like ninety seconds. And he's even it's do that like, much. hey, you gonna do the right thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He, he nods his head and he walks away. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Super. We're gonna wrap up now because Steve has a long night of editing this. <laughs> um, so sorry. Stay Steve. say where you can be followed and wrap by telling me one film you want to be a part of the arm and white game next week oh okay uh you can find me on twitter and letterboxd at miles on film that's m-y-l-e-s on film please check out my short films american exorcist and once upon a dracula they're both on youtube under aftershock pictures and chase capo respectively uh film i'd like to see part of the arm and white game uh hmm. Something like something that was like divisive that we can't get a good read on. Um, mm. oh, this is a tricky one. Uh, maybe something like. OK, I'm going to throw out a random one. 22 Jump Street. OK. All right. <laughs> I didn't know that movie was divisive. Um, well, but like, I feel like it's a weird one where he'll be like, oh, it's a triumph over the original or something like yeah. that. Well, I mean, it is a good movie. I'm, tr- I'm trying to think. Yeah. Hey, it's, a it's a very good movie. It's OK. Yeah. I'm, I think the Lucas Brothers elevate it. Uh, there you yes, go. Exactly. Way to kiss some ass. Um, yeah. But no, they did. Well, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good right. friends of the show. Uh, Academy Award nominees. Um, yeah. I would say you can follow me on Twitter at Ryan McQuaid 77. And I would say two films. I would like to see uh, his res- what Joker. Oh, yeah. And I want to go with also a film that I think he would like and if he doesn't like this i would be absolutely shocked dragged across concrete oh interesting yeah okay how, how he feels about escrow exalic how he feels about yeah, Mel i Gibson. would actually be very okay i'll throw in another one uh brawl in cell block 99 along the same lines hacksaw ridge how much he would love to see mel gibson have a comeback hmm. steve take us home okay you can find me at twitter and letterboxd at film stork uh, I'm going to go with some current films or some recent films. Uh, I'm not sure if he's hit these yet, but uh, Black Widow, Luca, Bo Burnham's Inside would all be very interesting to hear his take. So uh, let's go with those. All right. And you can follow me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that good stuff. And I'm going to just add one to the list. I am dying to know what he thought of Mother. 
Oh, that's a good one. Oh, very nice. Yeah. So until next week, when uh, we decide whether it's Armin wrong or white, Armin white or wrong, we'll figure it out. Um, also, baby, don't publicize that yet because it sounds vaguely racist. We have to fine tune that. Um, but <laughs> I think we've stumbled on a new favorite game. So until next week, feel free to submit some ones as well as uh, titles. So uh, Ryan, not you, Ryan, but other Ryan, that's probably on you. But we hope you enjoyed and uh, we'll see you at the movies. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.